You are listening to This Is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colourplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. It's Ruth and Grace back with you again for the fourth episode in our mini-series in partnership with SIA. How are you doing, Grace? Good. Not too bad. Looking out the window. Looks nice sunny day, you know. Can't complain. Good view. (laughs) Well, this is the final episode for now uh, in the mini-series. We will be bringing further episodes as and when over the coming weeks and months. But for just now, we were really keen to get out as much information as quickly as possible. So um, we will keep you in the loop about anything new that comes up episode-wise. You can find out by signing up for our newsletter. Uh, go to the website, this is spinalcrap.com or social media pages. Grace, what's the social media pages? So we're on Instagram at this is spinalcrap. We're on Twitter at spinalcrapshow and we're on Facebook as this is spinalcrap. Perfect. Um, And also you'll find information on SIA's social media and on their website, which is www.spinal.co.uk. Most importantly, the number that you'll need for SIA's free advice line, should you need any support during the COVID-19 outbreak, is 0800-980-0501. And that is also written on their website. So if you are stuck, have a look on there. They've got some brilliant resources and they are standing by willing to help anybody with a spinal cord injury. Of course, we'll be with you every Tuesday and Thursday at the Spinal Crap Cafe. So it's been a huge success so far. Thank you so much to everybody who's come along. We hope that it's given you some support and maybe even a bit of comfort while the world has been going a little crazy. We will be joined there by some of the other Spinal Crap team members as and when they can. So do pop in and say hi. So as usual, we have some great guests today. We're talking about pastimes or hobbies that can be really constructive and therapeutic. So if you haven't reinvented the wheel so far since lockdown, don't panic. There are many, many things that you can do. We're just going to touch on a few today. Please welcome Brian Abram, who some of you may know as Grandad Wheels. Hi, Brian. Hi there. Thanks so much for coming and joining us today. That's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's not your first time to be to have your name mentioned on This Is Spinal Crap, is it? No, you were kind enough to review my first book back in, I think it was early December, just after we published it. Good, yeah. We'll be asking you a little bit more about that book in just a moment. We're also joined today by head gardener at Stoke Mandeville for Horatius Garden. It's Jackie Martin-Loff. Hi, nice to see you all, hear you all. Hi, Jackie. Have I said your name correctly? You have, spot on. Okay, good. I always have to check because I was afraid I said said something silly. Um, so, Brian, who is Grandad Wheels? Um, well, it's me. It's a name that was um, invented by my little grandson. Um, he's got two granddads, and whenever he talks about me, he says Grandad Wheels. It's um, obvious description in a way, really, in his uh, childish mind. 
Uh, it was only it was only six months when I had my accident back in uh, 2013. So he doesn't know any different to me being in a wheelchair. Um, and really, my book came around by me writing a story about the day when he turns to me and says, Grandad, why don't you walk around like everybody else? Um, and I thought, I'd better have a good story ready for him. So I made something up, and that's where it all started. Very good. And what about your grandson now? How does he feel about it? Uh, well, he's, he's seven now, um, and... I had the great joy of embarrassing him terribly the other day um, because it was World Book Day. And as you know, a lot of kids, they go into school, they get dressed up as characters from books. Um, and Charles, God bless him, went dressed as himself. <laughs> so he, he went dressed as the cartoon. I call him Charlie in the book. He's, he's Charles in real life. Uh, and he, he had the fun of dressing up as himself. So I made him stand up in front of all his classmates Um because I'm doing a lot of school visits at the moment. I thought it's only right that on World Book Day I go into his school. Um, he'll never forgive me for that. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was good, it, it was good fun. Um, I'm doing a lot of school visits now with um, the book. And, uh, I mean, one of the things that it occurred to me to, to say when we're talking about, you know, hobbies and pastimes is you, you, you might have no idea where these things will take you. You know, I, I never thought I'd write a book. Um, I had the idea of writing this silly story for when he got a bit older. But like everybody else, you're busy, you're doing things, and the idea is put to the back of my mind. Then guess what? You find yourself on bed rest, as some of us have been, you know, with uh, one of those wonderful pressure stores that uh, can haunt us. Uh, and I had a lot of time on my hands, so I thought, well, why don't I really do something with it? Um, it's not easy typing on your little laptop when you're lying on your side, but I managed to do it and I started to write the story and uh, I finished it and my wife looked at it and said, he's going to love that, but it's quite, you know, it's quite funny. And then somebody else saw it. I think it might've been his mum, my daughter. And she said, that's good. Why don't you just, you know, why don't you make up another story about something else? And so I did, I had another idea for a silly adventure. The basic premise is that, Charles asked me why I'm in a wheelchair. I make up complete nonsense about being attacked by a lion in the jungle when I was having an adventure. And then the character of my wife or Charlie's granny has developed into grumpy granny who tells me off for telling <laughs> nonsense. It's great now because in schools, I get them all shouting at grumpy granny like she's a pantomime villain. Um, <laughs> You know, there we go. Um, so she tells me off, and I have to tell him what really happened. And and he says, "Well, you know, is it does it make you sad that you can't walk around like everybody else?" And I say, "No, not at all. I get used to it now. I'm I'm fine. I just get a bit bored because I don't have adventures." So Charlie goes home, has a thought about how he might help his granddad to have a, a, an adventure, and the next day. In the park, he ignores the swings and the slide and takes me straight over to the skateboard park uh, and pushes me in. And so poor old granddad is flying around the skateboard park um, and he loves it. He's scared to death at first, obviously, but he loves it. And he has such a great adventure. And that kind of sets up the premise then for the future books. And in each book, Charlie thinks of an idea to have me have his granddad doing something silly. In the second book, for example, 
Um, one of the things I try and do in each book is mention something about what it's like to be in a wheelchair. Uh, and in this one, I, I'm complaining about my arms aching as I'm pushing around the supermarket. So Charlie thinks it would be a great idea to hook a giant fire extinguisher on the back of my wheelchair, which um, sends me flying around the store and causing absolute chaos. At one point, I knock Granny into the uh, freezer where the frozen chips are. And it's just oh, a... I know. But you know what? When, the kids, when I get to that bit with the kids in the school, they love it. The idea of Granny's legs sticking out of the freezer. Um, so it's just a silly, silly story. So you've had book one is is published already. Book two hasn't isn't published yet. Working on it now. The the, the slight difficulty I had is I I first wrote the stories several years ago, but I didn't have an illustrator and I cannot draw at all. I know that I can't draw. It took me three failed attempts to find an illustrator, uh, and I was on the verge of giving up. And then somebody said, why don't you try writing to a local art club or an art society, which I did. And I found a lady who wanted to have a go. Hi, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's all right. It's good to be here. Well, we're absolutely thrilled to have you here. Um, and I think uh, Grace and I are both really big fans of Horatio's garden. Um, so can you tell us who Horatio was and why there are gardens in his name at Spinal Units? Okay, Horatio Chapel uh, was um, the eldest son of um, Dr. Olivia Chapel, And um, um Horatio was a student at Eton College and went off on um, an expedition um, to Svalbard in Norway. And prior to him going on this um, expedition, he had worked at Salisbury Spinal Center, where his father, David Chapel, is a spinal surgeon. And um, he had done some voluntary work there and decided that um, patients would really benefit from there being a garden for them to go out into during their rehab. And um, his father then suggested he did a questionnaire to patients that he put to patients and staff, seeing if everybody thought it was also a great idea. And uh, it was decided that, yes, everyone was really up for it. There was a space. There was a car park that wasn't particularly being used. And the plan was to create a garden. And then Horatio went off with on this exhibition, um, expedition, sorry. And um, tragically, he was killed by a polar bear. And there was an outpouring of desperate sadness and um, donations coming in. And his mother, Dr. Olivia Chapel, um, among with lots of supporters, decided to set up Horatio's garden. And uh, the first garden that opened was the one in Salisbury. And since then, we have opened, we went up to Glasgow, the second garden, and where I am, which is the Spinal Injury Centre at Stoke Mandeville, with a third garden that opened September 2018. Um, last summer, we opened in Oswestry, and we're soon to open in Stanmore, Cardiff, and it just keeps on going until hopefully all the NHS spinal injury centres across the whole of the UK has a Horatio's garden. 
So I was really lucky to be um, given a very wonderful position as head gardener here at Stoke Mandeville. Um, Stoke Mandeville's spinal injury centre is the biggest of the spinal injury centres in the country and the only one with paediatrics. So I work with some wonderful children as well as some wonderful adults as well. Um, it's the most amazing role. I certainly don't do it on my own. The charity is incredibly well supported by a team of very generous volunteers who give up their time and work with me, with patients, with the OTs and the physios. And we create a beautiful sanctuary for patients to come and use with their families or on their own or to have a quiet time in the garden, looking at the listening to the birds, looking at the flowers, the water. The brief is um, to create a very beautiful garden all year round, to have interest all year round, whether it be through sounds or senses or um, movement in the grasses. Uh, they're all beautifully accessible gardens, having very smooth surfaces. There's no challenges. There's lots of curves to it, um, no right angles for patients to come out. Um, either in their beds, because we encourage as many patients as we can out into the sunshine in their beds, or, or independently themselves or with their family members. Um, each of the gardens designed by a top garden designer. So our garden was designed by Joe Swift, who visits us quite often. And um, we run lots of therapy for patients. And yeah, it's a very happy place. Do the patients who get involved in the garden, do they usually have a gardening background already? Not necessarily. There have been a few that we've come across. Um, it's a great opportunity to really get to know people because of the length of people's stays in hospital when they go through rehab. Um, so, yes, some of them have a past gardening experience. Some of them may have just tinkered with as a child or with a family member. Um, but it's a great hobby that anyone can pick up really at any time in their lives. Um, it's something that often people think that, oh, when they retire, well, let's pick up gardening. But, you know, it's a great thing to do at any time. And and we have children that when the children aren't come into spinal, they come for a whole week every six months just to have checks. And so it's a great time to plant something. And we tend to plant something that's got a quick turnaround because children get a bit frustrated. And um, it gives it's a great opportunity to plant something like cress at the beginning of the week on Monday and buy three days for days on there's some germination going on and they can nurture it and and it's a great distraction when they're going through some of their rehab with either the physios or or the ot's and yeah it's a really happy place brilliant brilliant we are going to be coming back to you in a few minutes to ask you about what can be grown um but before we do that um brian do you find that do you, obviously, the garden is a very therapeutic thing to do. Did you find writing to be therapeutic for you? I did. The, funnily enough, the first thing I started writing was what had happened to me and, you know, about the story of how I got a spinal injury, etc. After four chapters, I gave up. Um, before I started writing the, the children's story, um, I started writing my story, what happened to me, how I came to have a spinal injury. After about four chapters, I, I gave up. But to be honest, even writing those four chapters, even if nobody else read it, I still found that incredibly cathartic uh, to do it. Um, I might go back to it at some point, but I think if you're going you're gonna to throw yourself into something, you, you've got to really be passionate about it and enjoy it. And once I started with the children's story, 
and I saw the reaction to it from Charles originally and then from one or two other kids that we read it to, that enthusiasm just made me want to keep doing it. What has um, the kids' reaction been to it when you've gone into schools? Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to know what their sort of reaction and their perception. Well, I've done about a dozen school visits now. Um, and what I typically do is I'll do a, an assembly for the whole school. These are primary school kids. I'll do an assembly for the whole school where I read the book. But I start off by asking them things about wheelchairs. I say, look, I'm Grandad Wheels. Can you guess why? And, of course, they can. And I say, okay, so why might we need to have a wheelchair? And the hands go up and people say, you know, if you break your leg or if you're really old, um, you get all sorts of great answers. Um, and then I say, well, okay, do you know about any different kinds of wheelchairs? And the hands go up again. My grandma's got an electric one or, you know, my granddad does his shopping in it. And I talk about all the different types you get. And then... What's difficult if you're in a wheelchair? What might be hard to do? And the obvious answers come out. You know, you can't go it step up steps. So how do we get around that? A ramp or a lift? So I do about um, a 10-minute kind of educational session, um, and then we read the book and we just have a bit of fun. The most fun I have is is where I go into a, a, an individual classroom and get the kids to design me a new wheelchair I've got a little template with a picture of Grandad Wheels with just sort of sitting in thin air. And I asked the kids to design me a new futuristic wheelchair. And at first they start to draw wheels and it's quite ordinary. But then when you say, well, what if it had rockets on it? Wouldn't that be great? What about a wheelchair that's got a built-in umbrella? And if you give them ideas, all of a sudden their creative juices get going. And they come up with all sorts of incredible ideas. I think the best idea so far, and if we could get this in a wheelchair, I'd buy one, um, is a button that you press and, and you get a cheeseburger. I mean, what's not to like about that? I'm sure somebody could design one of those. So the kids absolutely love it. And not for one second have I thought any of the kids are looking at me and going, oh, you know, he's in a wheelchair. That's a bit weird. They just accept it straight away. They really do. Grace, you're very creative as well. Um, with all of the studying that you have going on now, do you have time for any other projects? Um, I think it's about making time, really. I feel like at the moment, I've well, I have been in the past, just been like, oh, I need to revise. I don't have time to do any of these things. But you do, you do, because I could, you know, instead of watching some Netflix TV show, I can um, do things. So I... Um, I I'm writing as well. Um, I, yes, yeah, most you, I wrote uh, when I was injured and in hospital. I found writing a really, really good outlet. Um, I, wrote, I wrote tons, like just a diary of what was happening every day, and that really helped. And I've been sort of continuing that, um, which has been really, really good. Um, and things like this, like making a podcast, to me, has been a really good um, way of. It's like therapy, really. Um, it's like a form of therapy and also just a, a great way to feel like you're doing something. You're like creating something and putting it out into the world. I think it's really just makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> and I think that can translate to anybody going through this whole COVID-19 outbreak. Um, 
we're say, we're talking about it in terms of spinal cord injuries, but basically anybody like like Nick Hartley said the other day, we should you know write a diary. We should keep a track of what's going on. It's also a really good opportunity to um, kind of get it out there and 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 get that kind of release. But it's a good opportunity that anybody could tap into. So they should like any kind of art or music or creativity in general. So Jackie, would you consider gardening to be creative then? Oh, definitely. There's uh, lots of creative aspects to gardening, whether it be creating your vegetable patch slightly differently. You could put um, flowers and vegetables and grow the two together. You could grow it in ver- the planting in Oswestry. They've got lovely raised planters and they've planted everything on a curve. It's like a wave running through the garden. So you can definitely be creative. Creative as well in, in the color combinations that you bring in or your vegetable combinations. Definitely. Yeah. There's definitely creativity in gardening. Also clipping, you know, how you clip something, how you cut a hedge or create a shape or structure from it. Yeah, it's definitely a creative hobby. I suppose it's so much more because I don't have a huge gardening background and I blame that on the fact that I have very little space. But you actually told Jackie that I didn't need space. (laughs) None of us really need much space. You just need some a windowsill, some sunshine and um, a little bit of nurturing within that you can keep up with. I think we have a habit of opening a packet of seeds and it's slightly overwhelming and you'd probably be tempted to sow all of them. And then... That doesn't work with every variety of seed. Then you've got to prick them out and and pop them on into larger pots. And if you've planted an entire packet of 50 to 100 seeds, you've just created a huge amount of work for yourself. So if you do things to scale that are manageable within your means and your time, okay, perhaps at the moment we all have a little bit more time, so it's probably quite a good thing to, to play around with. But I think everybody at any stage can get on and get planting. Jackie, I um, I got myself made um, a trugger, they called. Um, oh, yeah. Which is on legs, so I can get my wheelchair underneath it. Um, I had somebody make it for me. I think you can buy them in garden centres. One of the things that I love doing, again, with Charles, the grandson, is planting radishes because <laughs> they grow so quickly. It yes. amazes me how you go from the tiny little seed to a full-grown radish in, what, three to four weeks? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think as well to keep the imagination of whoever's planting, depending upon their interests, to hold that interest. So grow something that has a quick production rate that you get to harvest it relatively soon after planting, especially with kids. It's yeah. Yeah. Charles Charles would get bored if he didn't see the immediate (laughs) results. So he, he loves that because we'll plant we plant them one week, then the next week, then the week after, so that we've got a constant crop of radishes. Does anybody actually eat the radishes? Oh, I do. I love them. <laughs> and your grandson? Uh, yeah, and given that we can't get any food at the moment, <laughs> I might really have nothing but radishes in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> Can you grow a to- uh, toilet rolls? <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, 
guys, normally we run a game or a competition for our guests to take part in, but this episode is a very special one because in this episode, it's our guests who are running competitions for you. So, Brian, would you like to tell us a little bit about the competition you're going to run for our listeners? I will. It's very, very simple. Um, the only place you can get my books is on my own website, so grandadwheels.com. Um, if you go to that website, scroll down the homepage, have a look at some of the reviews that kids have given. You'll love those. But then if you just subscribe, and what I'll do is at the end of April, I'll look at all the new subscribers and we'll choose four at random and send you a nice signed book. In fact, I'll probably get in touch with you. You can ask me to write anything you want in the book. Um the only issue is whether the post office is open by then, but hopefully it will be. So just go to grandadwheels.com, subscribe, and you'll be in that draw for four, one of four free signed books. Brilliant, brilliant. And can I ask who, um, one thing we didn't raise was that you are doing all of this as a fundraiser. Uh, yeah, when me and my illustrator started to think about self-publishing a book, because, again, this is a big point here. If anybody f fancies writing and they think they're going to get a book deal, you know, it's highly, highly unlikely. But you can self-publish nowadays. It's not actually a complicated process. Amazon do a print-on-demand idea where literally if somebody buys your book, they then print it and send it to them. So you don't have to carry big stocks of, of books. We have. We've managed to, to print and sell them. But we, we thought right from the word go, we would do this for charity. We don't want to make a penny out of it. So we agreed on a joint um, approach with Spinal Injuries Association and Backup, two charities that do lots for us guys. Um, I'm pleased to say at the end of February, we made our first donation to them of just short of £2,500. And I can announce today that I'll be making a donation tomorrow morning of just over £2,500. So after just five months of having the book out, we're donating £5,000 uh, to those two charities. And, and we'll continue, as long as the books are in print and they're sold, all the money will go to those two charities, so I'm pretty chuffed about that. I just, wish, I just wish the world was normal at the moment and I could get yeah. in and do more, but I'm afraid there won't be much happening for the next few months, but in September we'll pick it up again. I'll get back into schools, we'll sell the books, and it'll all go to the two charities. Brilliant. Fantastic. Congratulations, Brian. That's so good to hear. And Jackie, Jackie, you are also going to run a competition for our listeners, and I'm really, really excited about this. What are we doing? So I think that because um, we can't perhaps get out to the shops so much and there's limited things in the shops, um, why don't we try growing something? So there's a few suggestions and it really depends upon your resources and how committed you want to be on this. So you could, if you have got compost, you could grow one type of seed, but if you've only got Kitchen paper, hopefully, maybe even a bit of toilet paper if that's around, bonus. Um, you could plant some seeds on that, and all they'll need is a couple of layers of kitchen paper and it to be um, soaked in water, seeds on the top. And um, we're going to have a competition to see, let's choose the, um, I think we'll choose two types of seeds to grow. One could be um, beans, 
and they have a quick turnaround um, in germinating and uh, we could do the tallest bean. And then I think the other one that we should do is a sprouting seed. So there's several types of sprouting seeds that you can buy. Um, one that we use often in the garden, because it, again, it, it germinates very quickly for the children that sow them, is wheatgrass. And wheatgrass you can use in salads or you can use it um, in a smoothie. And that again, you can just sow on two layers of kitchen paper, soak it, sprinkle your wheatgrass seeds on it and put it on a warm, sunny windowsill. So there are two things that I think that we should have a little competition to see and send in photos and see who's is the highest or the most dense or the lushest. So you're going to be on tomorrow's cafe, Jackie, giving a demonstration of how to grow those, aren't you? Yes, I will. So stay tuned. And, um, and I'm think, I think so far we seem to be okay that if somebody wanted to order in seeds, then seed suppliers so far are still honoring their orders. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that will continue and people can place some orders for some seeds and, and we can all get growing together. Great. That would be really nice. Now, our, um, our cafe is happening tomorrow. So that is Thursday, the 2nd of April. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, um, when it comes out, please join us for the cafe and you'll be able to see a demonstration from Jackie Ben. If you have missed that, we will record it and put it up on our social media again. So please do have a look on there. Gracie, how do people find us on social media? Um, at this is Spinal Crap on Instagram, at Spinal Crap Show on Twitter, and this is Spinal Crap on Facebook. Brilliant. And so, and so, what what we were saying, Jackie, was it maybe every Thursday people could uh, put up their pictures on social media and use a very special hashtag. So, hashtag on this one is hashtag Grown with Spinal Crap. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. We've got to not take it literally, though. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to keep going till the end of April so that people can keep putting up their pictures. And then at the end of April, you're going to pick some great winners. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's see those growers out there. <laughs> and then um, any of those winners that you select, will get a lovely spinal crap mug when we are allowed get to the post offices again. Guys, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you and talking a little bit about the things that people can do. There are a million, million ideas out there. And actually, I think social media is a brilliant place to find ideas because everybody's sharing stuff at the moment. Have you come across anything, Grace, that's been really exciting or that you thought you might like to try and give a go when you get some chat time? I actually, I watched um, Crip Camp yesterday, which I all recommend everyone watches on Netflix. I cried most of the way through. And that made me really want to learn British Sign Language. So I feel like that will be something in the future I would like to do. Okay. I think I actually saw a link to somebody who's doing that on social media, like they're giving lessons. I'll have a look. I'll send it to you. yeah, I think there's loads of there's loads of really cool ideas out there. So just have a look. Um, and again, as Gracie said before, don't feel that you have to do something. You know, you don't have to, you know, write King Lear or whatever it might be. Just be healthy and be happy. That's the main thing. But 
a lot of the time that will come with doing some really fun activities. So guys, for for now, we're coming to the near near to the end of episode four, which is the end for now of the mini-series. We will be coming back with more episodes um, shortly and we will keep you informed on social media. Is there anything that any of our guests would like to plug? To plug? Well, the book, obviously, and uh, in a way I'm plugging it on behalf of Spinal Injuries Association and Backup because, as I say, that's where all the proceeds are going. So if you want to buy a book, just go to grandadwheels.com. And here's an idea. This is a lovely, lovely thing. A friend of mine said, I want to buy the book. I'll pay you for the book, but I don't want it. I want you to give it away to, to some child either in a wheelchair or not in a wheelchair. Uh, so we did. Um, we gave it to a young boy and I wrote inside it, when you've read this book, please pass it on to somebody else. And since then, about 15 different people have bought one of these books for us to give away. We call them our traveling books. And so far, we know that they're in New Zealand, Australia, uh, Canada, and even a little island called Lombok in Indonesia. So I thought that was a lovely thing to do because, you know, if, if a little kid's in a wheelchair and he thinks he's alone, to, to, to read this book and, and see that, you know, wheelchairs can actually be fun and other people use them. Hannah Cockroft said to me she wished she'd had something like this when she was growing up because she felt different. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a lovely idea. And Jackie, how can people learn more about how to support Horatio's garden? Well, um, due to the situation that we're now in, um, Horatio's garden has had to obviously, as everybody else has, cancel our fundraising events. And so the charity, which is run a huge amount solely on fundraising, is down by a tremendous amount of money. And with our plan to have a Horatio's garden in all NHS spinal injury centres, we somehow have to um, find that income in order to create more gardens. So um, there are on our Horatio's Garden website and through the various Horatio's Garden social media sites, um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and the actual Horatio's Garden website, there are activities and fundraising exercises that are about to be launched. Um, so if people want to sign up to um, joining Horatio's Garden on some of these journeys and activities that we're planning, um, have a look at the website because there's lots about to be launched and lots going on and, and it's all for such a great cause. So, yeah, that would be great. Fantastic. Okay. Um, before we go, let's just give you a reminder of that phone number for SIA. So if there is any support that you need during this um, crisis, their number is 0800 980 They have loads of people there who are ready, willing and able to help you. And our final word of thank you must go to our brilliant sponsors, Carla Class. Thank you guys, Carla Class, for always being just brilliant um, and we do love having having you as, as our sponsors okay guys that's it we are complete for the moment and we'll be back to you as soon as we can until then this is Spinal Crap bye, bye. thanks for listening to This is Spinal Crap and thank you to our sponsors Colaplast if you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media.